Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this podcast is Surviving the Pandemic and Getting the Love You Want. Things we'll be talking about are the Love Factor Inventory, aka LFI. The LFI assessment is a powerful way to quickly move from a surface discussion to the core, deeper issues that reveal your strength and weaknesses in your ability to develop and sustain intimate, loving relationships. Stop sabotaging yourself. Become more effective in creating the relationships you want. Now that is a valuable subject. Our guest, Dr. Ronald Mann, has been helping people awaken their consciousness for over 40 years. That's four zero as a psychologist, master coach, and healer. His presence and depth of intuitive insight, along with his psychological training, give him a unique expertise in the field of spiritual development. Dr. Mann obtained a master's degree in educational psychology from the University of California, Santa Barbara in 1971, and a doctor of philosophy from the California School of Professional Psychology, Los Angeles in 1974. He's been at it for some time. He obtained postgraduate training in executive coaching and organization organization development from the William James Institute of the Professional School of Psychology. He practiced as a licensed psychologist from 1976 to 2002. He has appeared on Fox Sportsnet, Fox Boston 25, Fox Boston 25 Morning News, The Gary Collins Show, Good Morning America, and numerous radio interview shows. Author Dr. Mann has written six books, that's six, Sacred Healing, Integrating Spirituality with Psychotherapy, and that's an LA Times bestseller, The Yoga of Golf, Bouncing Back, How to Recover When Life Knocks You Down, from Morgan James Publishing, and The Making of a Champion, Success is an Inconvenience, The Hard Truth About What It Takes to Be Successful. Uh, oh, okay, wait, that, that's that's the same title? I want to be sure on that. Okay, right. Okay. All right. And not just on game day, but okay, let me get, I want to get this, this correct. Uh, the Making of a Champion, Success is an Inconvenience, The Hard Truth About what it takes to be successful, not just on game day, but every day. There we go. Very good. That, you got a bunch of books here, man. It's all, you know, excuse me if I'm a little thrown off a bit here. This, this, you're quite prolific. Written for and with head football coach Joseph Taylor. Well, that's interesting. Published by Waterfront Press. Also, Learning to Win, Guide to Coaching, Junior and Collegiate Golfers. And Bouncing Back, 2017 in crisis how to prepare for and recover from life's greatest threats now that's very relevant today isn't it in the age of uh, covid and that's from man consulting group 
He has also developed and produced a variety of audio programs for meditation, self-healing, and stress reduction. These can be found at ronmin.com. That's R-O-N-M-A-N-N.com and Amazon.com. Well, that is um, yeah, quite a resume and biography. Uh, now he's Dr. Ronald Mann, but he's given me permission to call him Ron. All right, so don't you try it at home. I've got permission. <laughs> all right, but do you, you uh, how do you feel about that? all that stuff you've done, by the way? Well, you know, it um, doesn't seem like a big deal to me because I did it when I felt inspired to do it. I never thought I'd write six books. After I wrote the first one and it was on the LA Times bestseller list, I said, well, this is it. This is everything I have to right. say. Uh, I'm never going to write another book again. And then something would show up, like the one with Coach Joe Taylor. He called me, asked me to write a book for him. He's he's a famous guy in his world. He's in four Hall of Fames in the football world. So I was pretty honored to work with him. He's a great guy. So these books just kind of came out when it was time. And you know, I look back on all the things I've done. I've created a ton of stuff. But at the time, it was just, you know, everybody needs something to do. And I felt pretty inspired to do it. And so I would do it. And then I'd move on and do whatever. And we didn't even talk about the fact I worked in the Soviet Union for three years in the peace movement. When Reagan oh. wanted to nuke the Russians in 1980-something, uh, in meditation, I had this kind of spiritual vision and basically said, you want to help? I go, well, if you want me to help, I'm available. So... Within three months, I had a nonprofit organization. I was and an organization and money and teamed up with somebody. We were on a plane going to Moscow to set up these citizen diplomacy exchanges. So for a few years, I went back and forth, bringing people together. It was a basic model that if you what, like what somebody- was, what, probably, was the, what was the genesis of that? What was, where did the initiative come from? Uh, like I said, came from meditation. I was sitting, I was living in Northern California at the time. <laughs> I had dropped you. out of uh, Beverly Hills. I had a private practice and had a spiritual awakening when I was working with terminally ill kids. Mm -hmm. So now I'm this psychologist with a spiritual realization and I was longing to be around a spiritual community. So I got into one, turned out to be a cult. So I left after a couple of years, but that put me up into Northern California. So I'm living up in Northern I'm, California. I'm fascinated by cults, by the way. I study cults. I love them. Uh, well, we could talk about cult if you want, because I lived in one for two years. Okay, uh, I'm going to write that. I'm going to write that down. That's going to work itself yeah. in. And actually, if people are interested in the, the leadership problems of that, in my book, Sacred Healing, there's a chapter called Spiritual Advancement and Pathological Narcissism. And it's a, I don't mention his name, but it was a case study on the guy, the Swami who is leading that up. And it shows how you can be spiritually evolved and have some degree of realization. But if you don't work on yourself at a psychological level, forget it. So, you know, he's got this tremendous connection to his soul, but at a personality level, it's like a 16-year-old kid. So <laughs> it's a lot of power for a 16-year-old kid to have. Right, right. So, so good discussion. That's, that's right. I mean, you can talk about balance in life in various categories, or you can talk about the basic balance, you know, with just two basic elements of a person, which is, you know, a spiritual side and a psychological side. And you don't even have to break it down from there. And you better, both of them better have that's some right. degree of maturity. <laughs> that's right. 
All right. So back to back to the Soviet Union thing. I, I'm living up in Northern California, um, blissed out, you know, having a, a nice life, no, not much stress, uh, feeling God's presence everywhere. And I'm meditating like I did every day. And I get this vision of Marysville, which is uh, 20 miles away from where I was. I was in Nevada City in those days. And the vision is the bomb drops in Marysville. I got three seconds before I'm vaporized. I remember that from uh, elementary school where you had to dive under the table, you know, to protect yourself like that was going to do anything. I, I'm 56. And How old are you? 74. Okay. God bless you, man. You, you're doing great, sir. Yeah, I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's still that's half, the, half the battle. <laughs> yeah. And so I get this vision. And By the way, this, if you're if you're if you're listening, most of the audience is listening. You gotta check us out on YouTube. Uh, the guy looks great. He's a handsome guy. You would never think he's in his seventies. I continue. Thank you. Thank you. Meditation. I, I I attribute my health and my useful appearance to meditation because when you go into meditation, if you go really deep, you're, you're out of time, right? You're not in time. So mm -hmm. you figure I've been meditating for forty years. Uh, Oops. Sorry about that. Thought I turned off my no, phone. No, 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 we're we're fine. I didn't even hear. I didn't even know what you were talking about. You're good to go. Oh, my, my phone is ringing. Okay, so all that time in meditation, you're kind of out of time. So I gained a lot of youth because I'm spending all that time in meditation, not aging, when I'm in deep meditation. So I think that's. Wow. You know what? I buy it. I buy it. You know, I'm pretty gullible, but I say that, you know, tongue in cheek. But I, I think there's a I think there's truth there. I think there's validity. Yeah. Because my older brother is only two years older than me. And we were, this is many years ago, we were someplace and they looked at him and said, Oh, are you his father? I mean, he was mortified. Right. And so, and, you know, drinks, you know, and just not, now he's healthier. But back then, lifestyle wasn't so great. So in this, vision i see marysville kind of evaporating and i know i'm going soon and there's this inner voice and the voice says have you done everything in your power to keep this from happening and my thought was no i haven't been doing anything i was sitting here list out minding my own business <laughs> so i were, thought, were, you, were, you, were you also dropping some acid to run no no i mean i stopped doing uh, the, the worst I ever got really was marijuana. <clears throat> oh, really? Okay. And I used to get stoned when I was younger. Yeah. Well, that's the product I mean, of the it's... 60s. You know, and nothing I stopped, to, you know, much worse things or more strong. Right. I stopped getting stoned only because of my spiritual practice. I got to wow. a point where if I got stoned, I came down. My natural state was beyond where the grass was taking me. So I was bummed out getting stoned because I felt less clear less joyful kind of fuzzed up i go forget it i'm not doing this you know uh i got i got a bunch of things to say about what in response to what you're saying because I, I already see we're gonna we got already got a great rapport and, and so much to talk about i hope that we can keep this <laughs> within an hour i don't know i already got a feeling <laughs> it's gonna go because of, of the way you are and everything but um you know uh I'm a, I'm a certified coach. I'm an NLP practitioner. I'm into all these philosophies, psychologies, self-helps and personal development. The most profound and important thing I've ever done was to get clean and sober. I've been sober 21 years now. Nothing like having clarity of mind. There's nothing like it to think things through without 
needing a crutch, having a crutch, wanting a crutch, and thinking things through and, and being able to discern things without having confusion come from you know drugs and, and intoxication or, or just even wanting that. It is it is in a whole other life, whole other life, you know, and it's so it is critically, I mean, listen, everyone everyone is free to do what they want to do, make their own choices. But I am a great proponent of sobriety. Well, one of the things, in addition, and I agree with everything you said, is that if you learn to quiet down and your inner life isn't toxic, you know, so you work out your emotional stuff and you're not kind of self-medicating and, and dumbing yourself out with the drugs, your intuition gets better because it comes it from your heart, comes from your inner life. And, it, and if you're quiet in there, there's a great story. The student goes to his master and says, master, how is it you always know what I'm thinking? He said, oh, it's very simple. We sit together and I hear someone thinking and I know it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Oh, yeah. wow. By the way, uh, while you were over in uh, Russia in the 80s, ironically, I was in uh, Reagan's army, <laughs> paratrooper, wow. and uh, I was, and we used to train we, we taught who the enemy was. It was the Soviet soldier or the Axis, for, you know, the Eastern European Alliance. And we will learn how to, you know, to, who the enemy was and how to fight him. And, and quite frankly, we were brainwashed. I don't say that in any sort of indictment towards the military. That's what the military has to do to have good soldiers, to really sure. brainwash them. And um, it really was culture shock for me when I left the army in 87 uh, you know, getting getting back to the civilian world, and you know, not having a chain of command, and not and in hostility, not being the answer <laughs> for, for for life. Uh, but I'm so glad that we worked. You know, the countries worked things through, and uh, now we have civility. Hopefully, even more. So, but tell me more about this. This what you did over in Russia in in eighty in the eighties. Well, the. Uh, the plan was kind of simple. If you bring normal people together, this is non-governmental uh, on the whole. We took Americans into the Soviet Union and we had connections in there with uh, local Soviet citizens who had their own network of citizens. So I could take you into Moscow within two hours, you'd be in somebody's home talking to a Soviet citizen who had similar interests that you did. And so our philosophy, and I worked with this woman, Ramajoti Vernon, we, we, we teamed up. And uh, the idea was, well, if you like someone, you're probably not going to nuke them. Right? And it was a simple thing. So we just, and we brought Soviets into the United States, got them on TV and radio, and just tried to humanize the whole thing. And I think one of the, the great spinoffs of one of the trips, uh, it was a small group, Mark Gerzon, who's a filmmaker, and, uh, and a writer, he met the Soviet filmmaker people, because you know we'd pair people up with similar interests. He invited them to Hollywood for what he called the Entertainment Summit. In those days, if you went to the movies, every movie needs conflict, right? You need a villain, you need a hero. So it was always American versus Soviet. And they made a decision, getting chills as I say that, they made a decision to stop portraying each other as the enemy because they knew it was bad for the culture and uh, the violence that it kind of incited people. So in that era, things change. It went from Soviets 
to the Middle East, and now we're into aliens. That's how everybody's fighting the aliens. Got an <laughs> the aliens, the aliens are going to have a hard time when they land. They're going to have a hard That's time. Right. <laughs> if, if they look at all human, no one will believe they're an alien because everybody thinks they look like uh, insects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? They're like, oh, that's how you guys thought of us? We're <laughs> Let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Ronald Men. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. People start something, then something comes up, or they need a break or even a vacation, and they often never get back on track. Perficio is designed to allow all of this. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can live your life as you learn and make progress toward your life-changing goals. Listening to the Self Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host Tony Petroza. We're with Dr. Ronald Mann. I I just talked with while we were talking about when he went over to Russia in the eighties, and I also mentioned paradoxically that I was in the American Army at the same time. And there was a you know unlike now, people I don't know younger people don't realize it, but there this was the the, the height of the Cold War, there was a lot of tension in the world. There were a lot of stakes. Global Armageddon was was the, the, the stakes. So it was very tense. It was, you know, it wasn't nearly, I mean, every, there's always issues, right? Or, or conflict. But that was, a, that was a big one. That was, I think that was more, you know, um, it, it was, you could, you could taste it. You know, it was a tension. It was a constant tension. Right. There was a lot. And one of the, uh, the spinoff things I was able to do, I went to the San Francisco FBI office and showed them videos or slides in those days of our trip because they can't get into the Soviet or couldn't then because they're FBI, right? Did, did they so try they to recruit were, you, Ron? Did they try no, to recruit they, you? No, they didn't. But I felt like it was the most patriotic group of people I'd ever been around. They wow. were really wholesome down to earth, you know, great human beings. We had a good time. I was there for a couple hours and they gave us a standing ovation when we were done. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about it. I interrupted you. Well, it was just, you know, I, I showed them slides and told stories, you know, about the people. And again, the and idea there was, was, there was yeah, a communication, there was a familiarity that it was occurring. Yeah. Yeah, and it said, these are the, the normal human being citizens that we're meeting engaged. Not, we're just trying to get people to people. Not monsters. Know. I don't know. And um, although I did, I was invited to, to go to a, a meeting with um, the military. I was in a meeting with the uh, high end generals of the, the Soviet army and heard them whining and complaining about, well, it doesn't matter what we do. The Americans won't believe it. And I was young in those, I was 27, I think, 28, 29, I don't know, I was, I was pretty young. And um, I felt, again, from an intuitive kind of inspired play, I stood up, I said, listen, if that's what you think, then do something so bold that they can't discount it. Don't let that keep you from taking some action. So I, I was talking to you know, these generals and stuff. So it, it was an interesting time in my life. Great stuff. You know, I mentioned I was in the army at the, the same, in that same era. Yeah, I joined the army because I was patriotic, but there was also another reason which I didn't, uh, wasn't so uh, vocal about. And actually is that not that, not that, not just that I wanted to kill for my country. I, wa I, I literally wanted to kill, 
but the woes beneath that. I wanted to be killed. I had some, mm. I had some issues to work through. <laughs> I wanted to be killed, yeah. you know, and then I came from a broken home as, as, as they call it, you know, and that was really the genesis of my, this angst and, and rage I have with the world was my father's departure. I don't blame him. I worked through that. I worked that issue. Let me really bring this up because I had a serious problem with the world because I had a serious problem with myself. And I worked through those issues, you know, and, uh, you know, and this was the, the root of my addiction, uh, which I had for a long time until I finally sobered up, you know, after eight years of trying, I went about 600 attempts, <laughs> right? So, and then I started working through these, these issues of, of these, you know, this self-loathing, uh, which I wasn't even aware of. I thought I loved myself. It was just a, a you know, a denial. And as a matter of fact, when I first, when I finally did an esteemable thing in early recovery, I looked in the mirror and, uh, and I, said, I had a very odd sensation. And I went like this, like, what is this? What is this? And then I realized it was me liking myself for the mm. first time ever. I, I was like, oh my God, mm. you blew me away. You know, so I worked through those issues and now I love the world <laughs> and it's because I love myself, you know, yeah. and I've worked through these issues and, you know, and, and, and that's, and that's a critical thing. We're going to work about talking about love, but you know, in my experience, you got to love, you got to love yourself before you can love another. Well, you're also saying a very profound thing here. And it's that if you want to change your life, change yourself. A lot of people go, oh, I don't like my job. I don't like this. I don't like that. And the reality is we take ourselves wherever we go. So it doesn't matter. You can change partners, change cities, change jobs. But you're going to recreate whatever it is that's inside of you. And so that, that's a profound message for your listeners. If you want to change your life, don't look around. Look at your outer circumstances. Look inside Absolutely. and see what you need to um, transform. How do you help people find love? <clears throat> that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Good. So it is a big one. Uh, you know, as a psychologist, many I, I developed a test 35 years ago called the Love Factor Inventory. And I was curious about how can we take a look at love? Because by this time, I was a spiritual guy. I was a psychological guy. The spiritual part of me opened up my heart and got me more involved in loving relationships in psychology ever did, although it helped me clean up some personality things. And so I did this national study. I gave this uh, test. I designed it and gave it to 2,000 people across the United States. I uh, did all the research that it takes to create a test. So the, it's got 10 or 11 scales, measures things like what we were talking about, self-respect. I mean, if you don't love yourself and respect yourself, you're going to have problems. Compassion friendship, psychological adjustment, uh, how comfortable, it's called the primitive self, it's like Jung's shadow, it's like what's going on inside, it's like when Luke went into the cave to, to confront uh, the Darth Vader part of himself. That's uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, I think that one is. Right, yeah. right. And so this test basically gives you very accurate and very quick information about your capacity to function in these areas. And so it's like a mirror. You know, if you introspect, you go inside, you can find stuff. But if you're into a lot of denial and repression, it's hard to see anything. Like you said, yeah, I, th I thought I was 
locked myself and then things happened and things got revealed. This is a quick and less painful way than life to uh, discover what's in there. And in the hands of a coach or a therapist who knows what they're doing, you can have a profound discussion about your results. There's, like I said, there's 124 items uh, to respond to. Some people, oh, it's so long. You know, it takes 15 minutes. You know, if you can't invest 15 minutes in yourself, then what are you doing? It takes 15 minutes. You can't get profound information if you ask someone five questions, uh, typically. All right. So it's got more items and each scale's got about 10 items. Typically, I can have an hour discussion with somebody about one scale because we go into these items. For instance, someone, and this is a real story. So oh, I, I think I'm pretty trusting. So we look, I said, well, let's take a look because the trust scale was a little low. So the first item said, do you trust men? No, All right. Do you trust women? No. I go, well, you say you're pretty trusting, but you don't seem to trust humanity. <laughs> so what's going on? So now we're having a real conversation about how she really feels about men and women and stuff. And like you mentioned, although people may not have really got it, is that we internalize what happened in our relationships with our parents. So if we don't like one of our parents, because the relationship was bad and we have not resolved all that stuff. It's through osmosis. That comes in, becomes part of our subconscious. Mm -hmm. And so we have to resolve these issues when people say you need to forgive them. They go, oh, I'm not gonna forgive them. They didn't deserve to be for, forgiven. You know, you're doing it for yourself. You know, if you forgive somebody, it elevates your heart. It frees you from the negativity that you're holding and constantly going around in your mind. I used to do a lot of sports psychology. I worked with golfers. And this one guy I was, I was working with, he was trying to get um, past the PGA test and he kept screwing it up. And uh, we're talking, it turns out that one of the member, other members at, at the club, he hated this guy. And he would often you know, see him and he, and he said, whenever I'm putting or just quiet, He's there, right? And he, I said, well, until you resolve that, you're never going to pass this test because <laughs> it's going to, and, and he never did. He said, I'll never forgive that guy, right? And he didn't get it that he was doing it for himself, not that. So the, the test gives you um, quick information and opens up the opportunity to have a structured, profound discussion. You can also do it with a couple. So you and I are in a relationship. I take it, I, re I rate me. You take it, you rate you. It's like a 360. Then I take it again and I rate how I perceive you. And then you rate how you perceive me. So we've got my delusion about who I think I am. And then we've got your perception of what's your experience with me, right? And the discussions that come out of that, just the listening. I mean, if partners oftentimes don't listen to each other very well tend to interrupt and they say what they think. So if one partner just listens to the coaching of the other person, they're going to learn a lot about that person that they may not have heard before. And then once is, you is figure that out- the, Is that the love factor inventory about yes. ideas about yourself and then perceptions about the other? Can be. So you can buy it as an individual and, and get one use, uh, normal price, 99.95. 
So you take it and you get your own. For a couple hundred dollars, you get four uses. So it's actually kind of reduced price. So you yeah, can take I, it I want, four I times. Want to talk, I want to talk at length about the love factor inventory and, and about how you measure love. But first, let's take a quick uh, break to hear from our sponsor. Then I want to talk at length about that because that, that deserves a big block of time. So let's, let's, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. What is the key to wealth? It's not just making money. It's not wasting it, avoiding debt and costly mistakes. To get the wealth mindset, visit www.proficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can start acting like a millionaire instead of just dreaming to be one. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're with Dr. Ronald Mann. We're talking about the love factor inventory. And I just interrupted him. And now he's gonna, I'm going to let him resume without interruption from me. He's talking about the LFI and how it works and how you can get it. So basically, you know, I was explaining that it's a profound way to get some quick information about your capacity to function. And the scales that uh, I developed are down-to-earth real things that we see uh, in people's ability to relate. There's also a spirituality scale, which makes it, I think, rather unique. And people say, oh, how do you measure spirituality? Well, there's a difference between belief and experience. In religion, you can believe whatever you want. And a lot of people turn religion into truth, especially in politics. So, or you turn beliefs into truth. So whatever you believe, then that's the reality. Well, I hate to tell you, that's not necessarily the, the case. <laughs> so, I, so I ask some questions about what do you believe, but I also, there are items in there that what is your experience? Because if you have a real experience of this overwhelming divine Christ consciousness love, it will change you. You love everybody. I mean, everybody is kind of part of your family and there is the desire to serve and to help people. If you haven't had that experience, you might say, oh, I think it's good to serve. You know, I think it's good to help people. But how much do you really embody that and how much do you do that? So the spirituality scale also uh, gets played out in some of the other scales because of my background in meditation, yoga, hang out in a lot of spiritual communities. And it's not uncommon to find people say, oh, I'm so spiritual, right? And you hang out with them and they're not very kind. They're judgmental, they're controlling, they're competitive. Uh, and so there's a great thought that your true spirituality is tested in the light of day. So you say, oh, I'm a spiritual guy, but your compassion score is low. Yeah, well, if you're so spiritual, how come you don't have feel compassion? for other people, or your friendship score is low, you know, or your trust score is low. So you begin to see how all these various scales interrelate and the discussion is helping people to integrate at a higher level so they can take their beliefs and materialize those as real actions and behaviors so they can engage other people and be the kind of person that somebody would wanna be with. 
you know, in the in the dating world, they oh, I'm looking for Mr. Right, Mr. Perfect, you know, you know. And then my question is, well, if the perfect person showed up, why would they want to be involved with you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> look at look at what you're telling me. You know? exactly. I mean, if you really want to be ready to have the love you want, then transform yourself, and you will magnetize that to you. You know, in the '90s. Uh, I, I've been a born again Christian more times than I'm sure of. And I'm still a Christian, even though I'm sure 99% of Christians would say, you're not a Christian. You know, you believe in too many other things to be a Christian. Well, I'm like, well, that's the kind of Christian I am. You know, uh, I'm a, I'm an open-minded kind. I believe, uh, you know, I don't know. My deity doesn't have any of the crap traits that you or I have, <laughs> you know, like judgmentalism, for example, or anger or jealousy. No, no, that's, that's our traits. My, my God is devoid of those things like that. Anyway, but I got into forgiveness is, you know, which is a very important thing to me. Forgiveness is the essence of spirituality, but it was really much more intellectual then. And, and not until I got into a, a romance where I came to hate the woman because I was so injured by her mm. that I really l learned about the difficulty of, of, of forgiveness when I had to actually forgive when I want, I felt like killing, you know, uh, and, and it took me, I, actually, I had to forgive her about 10,000 times, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I, I, every day the forgiveness was gone. Right. And I had to re forgive, re forgive, re forgive. And then until one day the forgiveness stuck, <laughs> Well, you know, Mike, my, my, I, you know, I, I agree with that. Forgiveness is huge. That, that gratitude, they kind of go hand in hand. That forgiveness for me is kind of a state of grace. It's very hard from our ego perspective because yes. we've been wounded. I mean, we're justified because they really hurt us. I mean, nobody likes to be hurt. Mm. So it's hard to forgive them. But if you pray for forgiveness and some divine presence shows up and through that, consciousness cleans out your heart and elevates you you find yourself in a state of forgiveness because you're kind of pulled out and healed from all those wounds that have happened you don't forget you know what happened and hopefully your judgment's better right. and choosing people but to combine the spiritual with with the human part i think is the the best uh, way when i was um practicing as a psychologist and then woke up spiritually you know what my saying when i was talking to other psychologists is that if you're just using psychology and you're not realizing the power of the soul and how that relates to healing and you're not bringing that into your practice and it's like playing cards with a half a deck i mean you're missing out on a lot of stuff that's part of our nature you know uh Really, in my my experience, forgiveness is really a revolutionary thing. If it's if it's been hard, or at least if you've had the the, the less you've had it, it's a revolutionary thing when you do have it, and, and yeah. it really it's a you see things differently, you feel differently, you know you're you're actually lighter, you feel lighter, uh, and 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 it's it's really you know what was the expression taking a yoke taking the yoke off yourself it's so it's you can't you can't you can't overemphasize the 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 value of forgiveness and how it, how it changes when you go from unforgiving to forgiving it's it's a night and day situation it is because our consciousness is in a higher state it's a higher vibration when we're in that state of forgiveness 
And so it is like a yoke because we experience a lightness and we might even see a lot of inner light along with that too. But it does, it elevates us to a different uh, realm of existence in a way. Our vibratory rate changes and all of a sudden we find new people showing up in our life uh, because we're now resonating at a, at a higher frequency. So we draw those kind of people to us. And it's not just a vital thing to have generally, but especially in a sexual romantic relationship, <laughs> right? When, you know. Oh, it's, it changes it so dramatically. Most people are clueless about the potential for the spiritual heart loving connection that you can have through the body. You know, if, if you're just going for sex as a physical thing, uh, you can have good physical sex. But if you want to elevate your intimacy through the body, if you're conscious, connected to your heart, have some degree of awareness of, of energy, and you make a connection through your heart with another person, you can be in this ecstatic state of love. It's like beyond meditation while you're having this physical experience you're also bringing your soul into it so there's no separation now between your spirit and your body you know uh, i uh, recently got into a romantic relationship and i i learned a lot you know from my life and uh, i said to the woman is you know i'm really i'm not i don't want i quite she's a mother I, and I told her after, I said, listen, I really like you. I would love to be in a relationship with you, but I don't see myself in a long-term relationship with a mother. I'm like, but we could have a relationship, but if we can call it an exclusive companionship, where I'm not promising something in the future, but we can be there for each other with th uh, these parameters. And I call it the HRC. And I've learned this, just I've developed this just from, you know, having previous experience. And I remember it by remembering Hillary Rodham Clinton. I'm not saying anything about her politically, but that's where I remembered HRC. HRC, honesty, respect, and caring. That's the parameters that I want to give you and that I want from you, right? If, we, if I can always be honest with you, as honest as I can be without, that means no deception, okay? That means no secrets that, that you know, that I, I, that I, I want to keep from you. Uh, you know, and that doesn't mean I got to tell you everything. Right, but the but no deception. Uh, respect. Am, am I always acting with respect for you? You know, even though you're not there. Uh, and caring. Do I is this? Am I acting in a caring way? If that, that's what I want to give to you, and that's what I want from you. She and she accepted that, and so we had that. But as time continued, her needs grew for me. She's like, I want to be your girlfriend. I just don't want to be your exclusive companion. I said, Well, okay, I can give you that title, and I can be the, your boyfriend. Uh, but, you know, and I do feel a growing attachment and tenderness, you know, and, you know, but I still have that base, same basic position, but it's working for me, this and her too, even though she's, she's more affectionate than I am, which is not an uncommon thing uh, for women and men, uh, you know, she's generally more affectionate and um, she, her she's younger than me. Her libido is much higher than mine. I'm like, well, you know, that sexual needs got to be met. You know, that's an important thing. So do you have any commentary on this description that I'm giving you, Doc? The HRC? All of it. HRC, exclusive companionship. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, different people can have different kind of relationships. So right. there's no model. So you have to be this or that. Right. But what you identified with HRC uh, are key 
components. I mean, respect and say, oh, I love you, but I don't respect you. Well, you can't really love somebody if you don't respect right. them. And um, even in the business world, people go, well, you know, I want people to like me. I said, well, what's more important? You want to be liked or you want to be respected? Right. Uh, respect in a relationship is critical because if you respect somebody, all of a sudden you value them. I mean, there's a there's a love and an acknowledgement and appreciate. People feel it. I mean, you look at somebody with respect, they feel acknowledged and they're empowered by that. Mm. And so that, that that's a great gift to, to give somebody. If you don't respect somebody, they feel it and they feel diminished by that. So as one of the critical elements is if you want to have a successful relationship and you want to elevate your life, then work on your capacity to be more respectful of other people. And so a component of that would be to learn how to be non-judgmental. Because if you're always judging people, you can't respect them because you're so busy judging them. Oh, this, I don't, blah, blah. You, know, you need to just clear your mind and get that out of there. And if you could be non-judgmental, it frees you up to actually comprehend who they really are, to deepen your perception. You don't have to agree with anybody to really understand them. And they could be different, but if you see that they are really their authentic self, honoring who they are, and you have a direct perception of that, typically you're gonna respect that because you're gonna accept them for who they are. So the more aligned we can get with ourselves and find people who are honest and have a degree of authenticity, then I think the more profound the, the relationship can be. Caring. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah go ahead. No, even though okay. she's she's divorcing and I've never been married. It seems to me, and I've had a lot to learn and, and I'm older, okay? But it seems to me I'm teaching her about intimacy and I, I'm not pretending that I'm sort of relationship expert but i say listen her, you know we, we we must be intimate and that means that on whatever degree that you can do it you got to tell me your inner feelings uh and thoughts that that should be private okay you know not that ones that not ones that you share with others you know outside the romantic relationship you know, and that's and I'm you know I'm 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 basically the guy that's basically a low maintenance guy. You know, and so she's like got these issues. I'm like, okay, well, this comes from having intimacy. These issues will dissipate and resolve themselves. You know, so but I guess you know she's been wounded and she you know is fearful. But and even uh, though know, she's the one who wants to jump in the relationship more, she's has more trepidation. Um, but let I me, thought, me, go on. I was gonna let me let me say something directly about you and her. Uh, yeah. since you're asking, yeah. is that uh, there's a issue being elevated in your relationship that she may not be aware of. Yeah. And it's about attachment. Yeah. When you say that she's kind of more needy that, than you are, yeah. you know, as, as long as it's clear that, you know, while you're together, you're monogamous. Yep. You know, it doesn't mean we're going to get married. I'm not guaranteeing the future, but right. while we're together, you know, I will honor and respect our relationship and I will not, you know, double time you and all that. Right. So if she's willing to accept that and she finds herself longing 
for more. Now we're in kind of a spiritual discussion realm about, well, what's the need for attachment? And, and she may or may not choose. I mean, it's not uncommon for women to want to have security. And so the fantasy is, well, if I'm married, I, am, I have the security, primary commitment. But as we know, that doesn't really <laughs> it's a mean anything. <laughs> anyway, right? You get divorced, people die on you or whatever. Right. But her issue around the attachment is like, can you really be there 100%, love somebody, feel that, that love without the need to possess them? That's hard place to get to. And oftentimes, if you get to that place, then the need for an individual relationship may just kind of melt away because you're in this state of just being love and everybody's there, you know. So who do you take home, you know, because you're feeling this love for everybody. So that may be one of the issues that um, you could explore is kind of what's her sense of feeling, uh, What what's part of the neediness and don't see it as a pathological thing. Look at it as a, an aspect of the ego wanting to possess control. And it's about how do you get to where you can live in the moment without trying to possess something. Uh, it takes a lot of trust uh, to just be there. Now, whether the relationship continues or not, who knows, but she may learn something uh, profound about what happens when you can let go and just be present loving, your consciousness starts to expand and change. That may be what's also going on in your relationship. Great stuff. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. Ronald Mann. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Ever heard of accelerated learning techniques? What if you learned more deeply than ever before? What if you remembered what you learned far better than ever before? Visit www.proficio.io, that's proficio.io, where you can understand perhaps better than ever before. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza, and Dr. Ronald Mann. We're having a wonderful conversation about the love factor inventory, LFI, and relationships and intimacy. And, you know, it reminds me of something, and... Uh, in the 90s, I think a psychologist wrote a book and he or she claimed that they, just listening to uh, a couple talk for a few minutes, he, he could say if they would, he could um, predict if they would stay together, if there would be relationship success or not. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard of this person or book? No, uh, I don't. Um, it, it's interesting. Of- now, and I, you know, again, I'm not a relationship expert. You know, I, I'm, I'm a... You know, I love psychology. That's my favorite subject. I'm always studying psychology. And as a coach, I'm a practical psychologist, even though I've never been, I never even took a psychology course in college. I want to put that out there. <laughs> uh, I love psychology. But it seems to me that, you know, and I don't think I've read that book. You know, when a person, you can listen to a couple talking. If they uh, have any sort of animosity towards each other, that's a big tell. <laughs> It is. <laughs> that's, that's a big tell. I mean, people, I think, will gloss over that they should not. <laughs> you know, and I've noticed that I had a relationship a couple of years ago, and it was long. You know, I and actually I loved her, but uh, we had a good chemistry. But she had animosity towards me that stemmed from things she wouldn't forgive me over, and I, and I and I realized that 
this this doesn't bode well for the relationship. And of course, it, it ended. Um, but uh, in the LFI, what sort of uh, things does it measure? Uh, is is it is it looking for for uh, some sort of prediction of compatibility or assessment of compatibility or just of like a personality healthiness? It's uh, it, it's the latter. It doesn't predict uh, compatibility. It's uh -huh. not a um, a matchmaking kind of thing. Yeah. Of, you know, because those things oftentimes they look at kind of superficial traits. Mm -hmm. oh, I like to golf. She likes to golf. <laughs> hey, we got a relationship going here. But, uh, this, because of my background as a psychologist and all my spiritual stuff, it's about one's individual depth of realization and capacity to function as a solid, healthy, functioning human being and bring that in the relationship with another person. So it's, um, from my point of view, it's kind of better than a, a matchmaking thing because those tend to be kind of surfacy. Mm. I'm trying to get match.com at some point to, to use this thing because that would be the next step. You meet somebody, you like them, they're attractive, you've got some similar interests. Now the question is, are they even functioning at a level that you should invest your time with this person? Do they have the capacity to be a good potential mate and do you. So if each person took that, realized where they're functioning and what they would need to change because people can grow. Just because you score low somewhere doesn't mean that you're out to lunch and you're never gonna have a relationship. Just means, well, here, get to work. Uh, let's develop those areas. So it, it's a profound way to have a personal growth transformational experience with another person, um, whether or not you choose to be in relationship, there may be other factors involved, but you're looking at, is this the kind of person that you'd wanna be with? Do they have the capacity to be a good friend? Do they have capacity to show compassion, be compassionate? Are they psychologically healthy or are they caught up with a lot of their own internal fears? and anxieties. Spiritually, do they have any degree of spiritual realization? I mean, th these are important qualities that I think determine whether or not we can function well as human being. And then there's other things that get involved too, of whether or not you'd wanna pair up as a mate, you know, attraction is big, you know, people like to be attracted to each other in relationship, otherwise you kind of fall into friends. Uh, so there's other things that, that could go on, but at the level of how functioning are you? And is this other person capable of being? Because I've been with people who, you know, they're attractive and we had similar interests in this and that, but they had some issues that really made it impossible to have a relationship with them. I mean, they could not develop and sustain a relationship. They would do something to screw it up. I think personal development is actually an integral part of being in a relationship. I mean, I'm, a, I'm into personal development for whatever reasons and in any ways, but I think if you, if I'm going to be in a romantic sexual relationship that I have to embrace personal development on, to some degree in order for the, the, the relationship to succeed. I think that's critical. You know, I think, excuse me, one of the, um, 
the realities is that we're here on earth to grow and develop. And we're not just here to take up space. We have an opportunity to, to learn about our spiritual nature and to become better human beings. And so oftentimes we'll come into a relationship and that relationship will bring to the surface important issues that we each need to look at to help us in that uh, development. So it becomes a mirror in a way. You see yourself reflected in the relationship. And so it's a great asset because on your own, you might not have even seen any of this stuff. You know, uh, early before we started the interview, we were talking about addiction and recovery and how the LFI can actually work in that as well. You know, and and, and we didn't initially uh, agree to uh, talk about this. Uh, we talked about love, you know, and relationships, but I want to, and, and I know I know Ron wants to too. So let's start. <laughs> and, uh, and and I'll tell you, and the reason why it, 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 I want to start it now is, you know, when I, again, I'm a recovered addict, alcoholic. The biggest hurdle that I had to get through or over was loving myself. Uh, and that was, you know, what, because if I wasn't, if I didn't love myself, it wasn't worth doing. It wasn't worth, that's why it took me 600 attempts before I finally got clean and sober. And that, and that was, and I had to get through this area, this, this time where, I had to fight myself that I would love myself and, and, you know, because I was against it. <laughs> my ego was, I should say, not the spiritual side, which is of course, forgiving the, what forgave my parents, forgiving myself, forgiving everyone. Right. Uh, and that's a process. Uh, but that, that made that hurdle possible to get over, to forgive, to love myself. And that I, that I was deserving of my, my own love. Uh, and uh, and giving it and to give it freely. Now that's not obviously not just important in addiction recovery, but but in a in a romantic sexual relationship, you've got to you've got to to in order to give love, you've got to love yourself first. And we talked about this at the outset, but in terms of the LFI, um, how is it relevant? Uh, you know this part or in regarding recovery? Well, I, I think it's a great tool uh, for people who are in recovery, for counselors, therapists who work in that community, who are helping people recover, for recovery homes, you know, where people go and spend $30,000 to be there for a month, they're very expensive. Uh, that the inventory, taking your inventory is one of the steps. And so what does that mean? It's like having honest introspection about who we are. And so any tools that can help us honestly and clearly realize what's going on inside of us can be valuable in that phase. And so, you know, we keep coming back to uh, self-love. If we're treated with love, when we're growing up and we're around loving people, we tend to internalize that. It's really through osmosis. It comes into our subconscious, goes into our cells, becomes part of our identity. Because typically we take on qualities of our parents. And so, you know, if you hate your dad because he does something and then you find out, my God, I'm acting just the same, you're not gonna like that, right? 
And so to clear up, what are your perceptions of other people and resolve those, forgive them and get all that stuff out of you. I worked with a, a woman just the other day who, who her, her great grandmother was, was very difficult and she internalized a lot of that. So now, you know, many years later, we're doing some psycho-spiritual healing to energetically clean her out, get the stuff out of her subconscious, out of her cells, out of her whole being. So what's in there now is a loving, clear presence uh, that can honor the self, not this feeling of contamination and darkness that she picked up from um, someone in her family years ago. So all of these qualities of just the psychological adjustment scale gives you a little window into how comfortable are you with what's inside of you and your inner life? Do you have fear? Uh, have anxiety? I mean, if you do, there's reasons for that. And to be able to explore those things, resolve them. And so I'm a big uh, fan of a combined psychological, spiritual form of healing, meditation, prayer, grace uh, are powerful tools, not just at a physical level, but also as, as the emotional level. I mean, many of us have had the experience of going to a healer and energetically, they just transmit something and we absorb it. And it works basically, it works on your subtle energy body and then it kind of comes down into, into your physical body or your emotional body and changes you. I used to do that all the time. People would come, I say, well, did you come for psychotherapy or did you come for the one-shot miracle cure? They go, oh, I'm here for the miracle cure. <laughs> so we would, we would go into meditation. I use a little self-hypnosis, get people deeper inside and then energetically start to clean things out. And when the energy is really flowing and working, it, it changes things very quickly. So it, it, it's a tool that I think in that community could be very profound. And I would encourage anybody in, uh, in recovery, if you're working on yourself, take the test and get a clear picture of what you need to work on. Now, I am a lover of both psychology and spirituality, as you obviously are, too. Uh, how do you define spirituality? Spirituality is the, the realization that we are more than our physical body. We're more than our ego, our mind, that we're basically made in the image and likeness of God. Our basic nature is love, joy, peace, bliss, at uh, deeper levels. And that uh, you can believe whatever you want to believe. It's not tied to a particular religion. You can have an experience with Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or whomever, Moses. You know, it doesn't matter how you feel that presence. What matters is that you feel this connection and this love in all creation and beyond, and that you have the capacity to forgive. You have a desire to serve people. You have a desire to make the world a better place. And you're committed to the honest realization and transformation of yourself to be in that uh, divine place as much as you can possibly be. Beautiful. Let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. Ronald Mann. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. When Ben Franklin arrived in Philadelphia, all he had was 10 cents in his pocket. Despite this, he became America's first self-made man. Visit www.perficio.io. 
that's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, to actually have the knowledge and principles of Ben Franklin transferred into yourself. You are listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza and Dr. Ronald Mann. We're talking about LFI. We're talking about spirituality. Uh, and that's love factor inventory, by the way. We're talking about a number of things. Dr. Mann just gave us his uh, description of spirituality. I totally concur. And, you know, it's a, it's, I'm going to add to that. Oh, and my piece. You know, right now I'm studying Stoicism, which is really fascinating to me. That by written by Marcus. Well, I'm specifically uh, Marcus Aurelius's book, The Meditations, written 1800 years ago. And I have a protege that we're going through this stuff. It's really great stuff. And he talks about the soul a lot. And what I what I've done, at least in the study of, of this book, is that I, I when he talks about the soul, I say this is the my top five values that. So my top five values, the most important things to me, come from my soul. What do you think about that? Does that does that? Can you jive with that, or is that? I, you... I I do. The the soul is our authentic self. Psychology looks at it from a kind of personality thing, saying the truth and knowing what you feel. But that's a that's at the level of our kind of psychology. Hmm. Our spiritual nature is the soul. The the soul. You know, comes into the physical body and manifests, uh, and the soul is beyond the ego. The ego is limited. Uh, and when we realize the soul, that, that was a profound realization for me when I really got in touch with that, because now I'm feeling uplifted, I'm feeling loving, I'm feeling light internally, I'm feeling uh, compassion, blissful. I All of a sudden, I'm tapped into wisdom that I had read about, but I never understood what these guys were talking about. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like I'm having direct experience of all this stuff. And so the soul is our nature. You know, I've been a, a devotee of Paramahansa Yogananda for about 40 years in studying self-realization fellowships and doing Kriya Yoga. And is, it's is that, all is about... That, is that a Hinduism or an element of his, Hinduism? Uh, well, it, it's, it's a com combination of different things, but it takes basic Hindu... Uh, practices that come out of the Bhagavad Gita yep. about divine realization, yoga, meditation, Patanjali's path of moving uh, higher up and internalizing your life force energy and bringing it up to the spiritual eye and transforming your inner level of realization. And so it, it's about the soul. And I used to do a fair amount of work with people who are terminally ill and have had some near-death experiences. And my experience is that when you die, things don't stop. You slide out of the body. There's not a moment of loss of consciousness. It's like your hand slipping out of a glove. And your consciousness is very real. And now you're in a different kind of body. It's an energy light body, but you're still there and you're in another realm. And so the soul is eternal and um, kind of leads us into reincarnation in terms of we have multiple lifetimes and we keep working on ourselves and everything we do in uh, a particular lifetime can help us in the next or not, depending upon what we're doing with our life. And as a psychologist and a spiritual guy, I discovered that the thought that you leave on when you die 
leave the body is the thought that you come in on. So our issues have continuity. So whatever you do in this life to clean yourself up, you will benefit. If you're coming back, you're going to benefit from whatever you've done even to the last moment uh, of your breath. I'll tell you my story of reincarnation. I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, uh, and uh, but I studied Greek mythology as pre-adolescent, and it just fascinated me. And you know, on my own, not not part of the school curriculum, on my own, I got into it, and then. Um, Later on, I went to visited Rome, and I was blown away by Rome. Uh, and preceding that, I had went down to Mexico, central Mexico, and I uh, to dive, scuba dive in the cenotes, the underwater caverns. And I visited uh, Tulum, which is the one Mayan ruin that's on the water. All the rest are inland. And um, when I went to visit, I fainted, but in lose consciousness. And as I laid on the ground, I was all heated and I just couldn't, had no strength to stand up. I, as I laid on the ground, I, I saw Tulum as it was, you know, exactly as it was 1500 years ago. And I just, I couldn't even move. I just saw it. And it's like, wow, it was freaking weird <laughs> as I was able to stand up. And then, um, and then I, I was quadding to the, um, near the jungle and, uh, and it occurred to me that there was something in there I had to find. I had no idea what it was. And then later on, subsequently told, subsequent to all this it occurred to me that and i had never had this idea up until this point that 2500 years ago i was a greek <laughs> 2000 years ago i was a roman 1500 years ago i was a mayan <laughs> and there's something in the jungle down central Mexico. i gotta go and find it. i have no idea what it was and i'm still a christian <laughs> okay now other christians are like no no you can't be re you can't believe in that reincarnation to be a christian well uh guess what you're looking at the one who does <laughs> because that works for me i believe in this i believe and i also but that's that's my story of, of in terms of my own experience but why i believe in reincarnation is this and i found that the life is a tragic affair it really is you know but it has joy too don't get me wrong lots of joy too but it's a tr but it's tr life is tragic we talked about earlier before our interview ron your brother died 30 years ago from her heroin my sister died 20 years ago killed by a drunk driver she was like me and that that was the 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 event that caused me to finally get into sobriety it's tragic for them and tragic for us who were left behind, you know, and those who love them. It's really tragic for us more than them because they, you know, their suffering is over. We, we continue, right? Well, at least we mourn the loss. But uh, I saw how a tragic life, life was, especially for young people who die young. That's, that's the part that gets me the most, you know, young people or, or suffering or, or some people suffer more than others. How, how, you know, I believe that the universe is self-organizing and it balances itself. How does, it, how does this jive with that? It, it doesn't, except through reincarnation. <laughs> right. <laughs> except the reincarnation. That's where it ma makes sense. The universe can self-organize, can balance itself if there's reincarnation. Otherwise, I, I don't, you know, there's too much tragedy. How do you reconcile all this tragedy? I reconcile it with reincarnation. That's why I believe in reincarnation. And that's my, my experience is that, you know, if the purpose of existence, God created us, and we can always talk about why God would even do such a thing, but God created us. And the, the purpose is to evolve to where we come back into the full realization of our divine nature that every lifetime is an opportunity to continue to grow in that way. And so 
uh, one of the beliefs is that before you're reincarnated, you got to choose what do you need in this lifetime? What set of circumstances, relationships, whatever, in order to learn the lessons? And so these these kids who come in, oftentimes, you know, with cancer, leukemia, whatever, uh, they're here for a short time. Uh, my experience is they were pretty profound beings. And so the lifetime was short in order to just do what they needed to do. My last lifetime, I was a child in Nazi Germany. I was tortured and gassed and came back pretty quickly uh, with the desire to try and help make this world a better place. Because, you know, my thought was, well, we're not animals. You know, actually, we kind of are. But <laughs> I know, yeah, we're not animals. Yeah, potentially, we can be better. And so those lifetimes of suffering, uh, if we had the gift to see in all these incarnations, we'd see that the pattern and the threads are like, oh, that makes perfectly good sense. And you know, I, I agree with you. I think life is very difficult. Uh, there's potentially a tremendous amount of suffering. And that's why personally, I like the spiritual path so much because there's a, a model here that says, okay, you're caught in this delusional world of suffering, but there's a way out. Uh, if you start doing these spiritual practices, then uh, you can get beyond it and you can help uh, move through the suffering more quickly. You don't have to be in so much physical pain and you can uh, free up the bad karma that you brought in with you and improve the, the quality of your life. You know, I was uh, brought up Jewish, but when I was working with these kids who were terminally ill, I got involved with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and I was in, um, she's a woman who wrote all the stages of death, the five stages of death. Yes, yes, I knew I read that. She, she was a mystic, actually. I went to Hawaii, uh, spent a week with her, and had all these mystical experiences. And it started with being in Jerusalem with Jesus, back when Jesus was walking around. Now, I wasn't anybody in particular, but I was in this visionary state. I was there close enough. I felt his consciousness and bam, it changed me instantly. Uh, it was my first experience of real love. And I felt that for everybody. And so it was that that led me to other things. And then I got involved with yoga and meditation, Paramahansa, Yoga Nanda. So I'm kind of like you, you know, I've got this spiritual life that has direct experience with enlightened beings. And Jesus certainly is one of those. Uh, but there's also other beings around who are Christ-like in the way that they live. And they're full of wisdom. And they came here or are here to help uplift humanity as well. And there's value in their teachings and being in their presence. Absolutely. And, you know, another, you know, I'm not that, uh, this, 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 in, this podcast is not about my beliefs you know, so much where it's, you know, where it's about, I want to help people by bringing in people, experts like yourself, and people who are, who are distinguished and have a that are credible to talk about what you do. But in, uh, but it is a conversation, and uh, another reason why. Well, in terms of reincarnation, you know, obviously life is difficult and complex, uh, and so in being spiritual or, or just trying to intellectualize life 
or, or figure life or the meaning of life, that old question, that old, that old coin question. It seems to me that there's some agreement with God before I'm born, before anyone is born. And that's their mission or their destiny, something like that. I don't pretend to know. I'm just another human, you know, along for the ride. <laughs> All right. Uh, but there's some agreement with God. Uh, and and that's the stuff. And, and there's a there's a an evolution uh, along the way to keep this agreement with God. <laughs> I, I don't. And so I don't know what it is. I only have faith, and faith is is a, is you know is not knowledge. That's it, faith is is a belief. You know. It, so, but I I you know in terms of so that's how I explain about what why people that's my understand how i reconcile when people do what they do especially when they it may be you know uh it may be disturbing you know that there's they're trying to figure out on their own they're on their own journey like i'm on my own journey but uh it at the same time you know it's uh life uh Life's a bitch, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I, I really, you know, I used to really, you know, I, like I already talked about, I really had a serious problem with life. You know, I said recently in, a, in another interview, like before, you know, if you would have showed me where the doomsday button was, I would have pressed it quickly, you know, and now I'll guard it. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I'm in the way, you know, so, so you know, there's there's surprises coming. There's 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 uh, uh, transitions coming. There's transcending is coming. It's in my own physical life. Why wouldn't I believe that there there's greater transitions in in the post life? I do, and I believe there was ones in the pre life. You know, because this makes sense. We're energy, right? We can literally be measured as energy, right? So it makes all it makes sense. So I believe in the energy. The energy is a scientific fact. So that's not just a, a belief, but a, but a fact. And I think that vibration, right? We our energy is a, it can be vi measured vibrationally. So and that we operate, as you talked about earlier, about a, about a vibration. If you operate at a higher vibration, that reson that will resonate with other high vibrations. There'll be attraction. There can be a fit. So you want to you want to. To be deliberate, not necessarily, not necessarily thinking in the term of vibration, but you know, improving yourself. Maybe I shouldn't lie so much. Okay, maybe I can tell the truth a little bit more. Maybe I can tell about what, what I'm afraid of. You know, be vulnerable. You know, with, without being stupid, be you know, be discerning and who you choose to be intimate with. But be deliberate in, in, in improving yourself, and that's and then these other esoteric stuff. You know, they'll take care of themselves. <laughs> What do you think about that, Doc? Well, I think you've opened the door for a very profound discussion. <laughs> oh, so God. we go, I, I we go back. Nah, nah, yeah, yeah, you're a wise man, and you've got a depth to you, and I appreciate everything that that you're saying here. Thank you. If we go back to when God created the universe, all right, He created it, and He had to create duality mm. because if you don't have light, there is no darkness. And so one of the things that makes life on earth potentially so horrendous is that it's built in that we have this conflict between the light and the dark. 
all the Star Wars movies, I think, so popular because it speaks to this collective unconscious that we know what's going on. Right? And so God gave us free choice. So it's up to us to choose are we going to the light or going to the dark? And the, the purpose in God's experiment was say, okay, I'm going to give all these beings free choice. Let's see what they do with it. You know, the, the way out is to make God the greatest desire because it's our attachments to things and unfulfilled desires that draws back into a, an incarnation. We have to come back and work it out and do some more. So if the mission is to get to the state of God first, then we can let go of peripheral attachments and clean up the past karma. And just a note about Paramahansa Yogananda and Kriya Yoga, the thing that really got me when I was reading about it, is that one breath, it's a pranayama technique, it's working with the life force energy in the spine. He's saying, you know, if you lead uh, a reasonably healthy life and you're a decent person, it takes a million lifetimes to work out all this karma. Kriya Yoga, one breath is equal to one year. <laughs> so you start doing Kriya Yoga. When I first started doing Kriya Yoga, and I'd been meditating six years doing other things, the first two weeks, every time I did it, I could feel my breath change. I felt my consciousness change. And I saw down to earth changes in my life. This is every day for the first two weeks. Kind of toned down after that. But it was profound. I thought, this is amazing. It's not that hard of a technique. But because it's based on some ancient wisdom, uh, presumably the same kind of techniques that Jesus used with the disciples that it transforms consciousness and so you know we're in this state of duality and then it gets even worse i mean I, if i could have a little conversation with god we'd have it talk about this one is that uh there's things called yugas they're twelve thousand year cycles of the earth going around the sun you know we've heard about the dark ages and the enlightened ages well every twelve thousand years these cycles go up and so in the dark ages, and we're kind of coming out of that, things are even worse than they are now. We're in called Dwarpa Yuga, which is a little higher, and it finally goes up to the highest level. And then it repeats itself, goes all the way down. So in the course of creation, uh, the goal is not to have to keep reincarnating if we can get free. Sometimes God said, well, wouldn't you go back to help other people? And typically, if God asks you to do something, you say yes. Uh, so you might come back, but, but you're a free soul. You're here to really help other people. And so all of the, the struggles are embedded in creation. So it takes a, a strong will, a lot of faith uh, to put up with the nonsense that we have to live with here. I, mean, I, I find it difficult to watch the news. Uh, it, it's so negative. It's so disturbing. I, yeah. I like to know what's going on in the world. So I'll watch a little bit and I go, oh, I limit it. Yeah, I just can't watch too much of it. It's just too painful mm -hmm. uh, to see the same stuff going on. Back when I was doing the work in the Soviet Union, I made a uh, one of my audio programs. It was, you know, I gave away for free a piece for world, uh, a meditation for world peace. That thing is as relevant today as was. You know, 35 years ago. I mean, 
probably be good for another few hundred years. So the the struggle is like you say, life can be a real bitch. And how do you survive it? If we don't have the inner direction, the resource, it's like an island of serenity to go to where there is peace and there is some connection to something bigger, better, and more uplifting. Uh, life can be very, very difficult, and no wonder people get really depressed. And you know, if, if we have a, a weak will and we allow ourselves to be taken over by these negative dark forces, we can be used. I mean, I don't know if you, you see the kid who uh, uh, parents bought him a gun and went and shot and killed four kids in, in school. I don't even. I don't even. I don't look at it. I don't even look at it. So. What? If you look at, I, know, I heard and they're it. all, I heard they're it. all arrested. They're all arrested, so they got pictures. You look into their eyes, and they say the window, the eyes are the window of the soul. They are the darkest kind of demonic-looking things. I've had. This kid, and the kid even wrote a note going, "These thoughts, I can't stop the thoughts. Help me." Well, I used to work with people who were possessed when I was a psychologist, and people who were inundated by that stuff. There are dark forces that can take us over. So we need a strong will. We need a positive connection to the light. Like you say, you don't look at it because you don't want to vibrate and resonate and let all that darkness in. You try and hang out with uplifting people who are like-minded, spiritually around higher vibration because it enhances our life. And because we live in a world that's uh, potentially got lots of trouble. Now to my audience, you know, you may have noticed that this podcast is going much longer than usual. And it's simply because I'm having such a wonderful, awesome conversation with Dr. Ronald Mann that I do, I'm doing it deliberately. I'm aware that, you know, most of my, my, my interviews are about 45 minutes. We're well over an hour. And, I, and we're going we're gonna to do one more final segment because even though I want to continue much longer, but I, I'm going to cut it short and we're going to definitely have Dr. Ronald Mann back on, an, on a subsequent interview. And, and then we're going, to, we're going to talk about things like cults. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Zen, which we haven't even mentioned yet, but I know that he's got a lot to say about it. Just, just from our conversations, you know, because uh, it's obvious, you know, the, you know, the, I talk about you talking about, I want, I want to talk about the book Conversations with God. You mentioned, you used that term and I, that book was very impactful to me. Obviously we have psychology and spiritually in common spirituality in common and we've already talked about it at length but there's so much more to talk about regarding these subjects <laughs> so i'm going to take we're going to take our final moment to hear from our sponsor real briefly and then we're going to come back with the final segment for this interview and mark my words audience there will be a, a second one a quick moment to hear from our sponsor this episode of self-help coaching is brought to you by perficio what if you could get the results of being coached without a human coach? What if a computer could coach you? Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can get coached without scrutiny, judgment, or pressure. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza, and we're with Dr. Ronald Mann. And uh, you've been listening you can probably see that I'm enjoying this conversation so much. That's why it's it's extended. It's really 
I'm really resonating. I, I feel a great rapport with you. I'm really resonating with this conversation. Uh, and uh, I think that is actually very valuable, at least very interesting. I, but I think it's also very valuable to a, a listener because we talk about things that are, where a person can really improve their lives one way or another. Um, and so I'm gonna ask you now about what you also can do specifically for a, a person is how, how well let, let, let's talk about love we, talk, we talked about we're talking about the the love factor inventory but how do you measure love well we talked about this in some detail you know, I, i've got this instrument called the uh love factor inventory it's an assessment and it's really a process because if you're really going to use it you're going to get information that you can then use in a process hopefully with another trained person to help you dive deeper for introspection and transformation. Well, measures, so the, uh, the inventory measures love. It, that's what it does. Okay. It, it looks at your capacity to develop and sustain intimate relationships. And there are, are scales, compassion, friendship, psychological adjustment, spirituality, trust. Um, so what's implicit is, in the inventory, if they see what they're weak or they have less, they have something that they don't have in great abundance, that's an area where they should, the person should work on. Is that, is that the presumption? Yeah, exactly. Because it, it's, uh, in my working definition of love here, it's more than a feeling. Because someone can say, oh, I love you. Yeah. And then they abandon you two days later, right? So in that moment, they I may have that. felt something. <laughs> we all had that. <laughs> we, we, in, in that moment, they may have actually felt something, and that could have been like from the soul, you know, this connection with another person. But love needs to be more than just a, a transitory passing feeling. You know, it's like, are, are you there to care for, sustain, engage, and be with somebody uh, over the, the long haul? And so, this test looks at those qualities. You know, do you have the skills to get yourself out of the way and to really be there for another human being? Like you were saying earlier, are you capable of being honest? Are you capable of being vulnerable? I've got a masculine feminine uh, scale that kind of looks at that dimension. The feminine is more connected to feelings and intuition. The masculine side, more intellectual, um, more controlling. Uh, more rational. Uh, and so in order to be engaged, you need a little vulnerability. Uh, that's what brings people closer. You don't fall in love through your mind, typically, although the mind can be a great uh, attraction force if someone has a, a good intellect and you do too, and you're drawn by that. But the heart is important too. So that's what the test uh, is. It, it's a process. Uh, to be engaged in, and it starts with the assessment. How does one's, now we talked about spirituality throughout this conversation. Now, how does one's spirituality impact a person's ability to develop and sustain intimate, loving relationships? My experience is that I became a more loving human being when I woke up spiritually. Because the nature of spirit, which is manifested in our individual soul, the nature of spirit is love. Unconditional love has forgiveness, it has joy, has compassion. Uh, I felt a, a strong desire to serve humanity and care for other people more than I did 
as just a normal everyday psychologist. And I had some desire, otherwise I wouldn't have been chosen to go in that profession. But our spiritual realization from my point of view is that it helps us to become actually a better human being. Because if we can bring those qualities into everyday life, then we function better. Uh, we function in a more caring kind of way. You're uh, HC something, those three things. H I mean, HRC. Those, I remember, uh, I remember Hillary Rodham Clinton. That's why I remember. All right, yeah. <laughs> so in, in the HRC, I mean, the more spiritual we are, and it's integrated, and we've done the psychological work to get ourselves out of the way, the better human beings we can be. Totally. So uh, where can people take the Love Factor inventory? Uh, the place to go is the website called lovefactorinventory.com. And don't make the mistake and go to the Love Factory. People do, it's not a factory. You know, it's, it's like a factor. More a little scientific, lovefactorinventory.com. You it's can not, take it. Ron, it's not a porno site, is it? <laughs> no, it is not. But <laughs> a, a, as a side note, uh, I got on invited to do a podcast with somebody about love, and it turns out that the woman was in sadomasochistic relationships, and <laughs> we never talked about love. I was more of a psychologist. I couldn't believe I was on that thing. So thank you for not being that. So it's not a point of sight. It's the love factor inventory. You you can take it there. There's also a um, a free assessment. It's a I call it the the mini version. It's the free interpretive guide. The actual assessment has 124 items. It takes about 15 minutes to take. This free assessment has 20 items. There's a couple items from every scale, so you can get a general idea of where you are and basically you get a percentile score. And I say, if you get over 80 percentile, you're probably doing pretty good. If it's under 80, you know, certainly you could benefit from taking the full test and then exploring what areas are. So if you go to that website on the front page, there's a pop-up that says free interpretive guide. Uh, there's also other links. If you look for free interpretive guide, you can take that and as a benefit to, to the listeners, uh, if you take that free thing, uh, I'll know you took it and we'll get in touch. And if you want, I'll give you 20 minutes of a free discussion. Uh, it's, it's worth some money because I normally charge $250 an hour to, to do Thank stuff. you very and much, it, Doc. So 20 minute free conversation to give you some clue about what's going on. And then if you want to do some more work, uh, I do also have people that I've certified, professional coaches, who uh, I've trained to use this. So if you're looking for somebody you wanna to talk to, you've got choices, you go to the listing there, you can see who's there and choose somebody uh, if you, if you wanna work with somebody. Fantastic. So uh, just so you're clear, people, he's offering you not just to, to, to take the, this free gift, but also a consultation. So I really encourage you to go to lovefactorinventory.com. Uh, and and take up take uh, Dr. Ronald Mann up on his offer of this free gift. Um, what have you got to lose? He also right. and you also have some other websites. Uh, Ronman.com. What's that about? That's just about you. But can you? Well, that was my initial. That, this site's been around for 30, 40 years. Wow. Yeah, I've done a lot of lot of work in consciousness. I used to be a psychologist. You know, I developed 
Um, I've written a bunch of books. I made these audio programs. All that stuff is listed there. I've written a bunch of articles. So there's articles, there's guided meditations, there's books. I mean, there's, there's a whole ton of stuff at rawman.com. That's kind of my consciousness, uh, personal development website. Great. Uh, the Love Factory Inventory is specifically designed to be able to administer and take this. I also did a lot of work as a sports psychologist working with golfers. Yeah. So I made another site, Ron Man Golf, that's got actually an eight and a half hour uh, online certification program. If uh, you're in the golf world and you want to learn how to coach the mental game, I can certify you and give you eight and a half hours of video training of how to do that. So it combines what I know. And, and then they can, they can be a, a golf coach then? Right, right. Oh, fantastic. Um, it's really ideal for coaches who are into mechanics, which most coaches are. Golf is a very mental game. If you want to expand your capacity to help your students take this training, so not only are you doing mechanical stuff, but you're also helping them work with their inner life. You also have uh, one other website. Uh, masterthankus.com uh, yeah, it's Tonkas actually Tonkas. yeah it's a um, it's my artistic site it's uh, Tonkas are a Tibetan Buddhist uh, tapestry and typically they have hand painted uh, images of some Buddhist kind of thing and uh, I was looking at that and I learned how to sew I started making masks when COVID came giving them away so I got a Mask. great sewing machine I go, what else can I do with this? I made enough masks. And I thought, I, I'm looking at the Tonkas I have. So they kind of look like quilts. So I thought I could make these and put pictures of masters, yoga masters in there. Ah. So I started making them. And they're very devotional and they're very profound. And it's M-A-S-T-E-R, Master Tonkas, spelled weird, T-H-A-N-G-K-A-S.com. And you'll see it's got... Yogananda, Sri Keshwar, Babaji, uh, Lahiri Mahashaya, Jesus, Ramrana Maharshi, uh, just to name a few. Uh, and so they're, um, they're, they're very pretty. And actually, it's a devotional piece of artwork that if you put it in your house, you'll feel the difference. Wow, what a great, eclectic bunch of stuff you offer. That's fantastic. <laughs> Let me tell you, Dr. Ronald, man, you have been an extraordinary guest. That's why I, I've extended this conversation for so long. And we're going to have you back a second time. Mark my words. <laughs> because I really am impressed by you and you, your energy is wonderful. And that's why it's went this long. Do you have any uh, final remarks for uh, our audience? Well, I think they should be very grateful for you doing what you do. Uh, you are a wonderful guy. You can feel a, a depth of honesty and love that just kind of permeates from you. And so to do what you do to find people and have these kinds of conversations uh, is, a, is a gift to people. So I hope that your audience uh, appreciates how much you're giving them because you, um, this is a free podcast that they can listen to. And there's a lot of wisdom that you're able to share through it. Thank you very much, Doc. I really appreciate that very much. And um, do you have a, now, of course, you've given out the websites, but do you have an email address or something if somebody wanted to contact you directly that you'd like sure. to? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. My email address that I'm using mostly because of the love factor thing is Dr. Mann, D-R-M-A-N-N, at lovefactorinventory.com. 
and I do a lot of Zoom calls. So, you know, email me and we'll find a way to connect, you know, if we want to talk, phone, Zoom, whatever. Ron, you have been a fantastic guest. And all my conversations are great, but I, this really was extraordinary. And I really appreciate you joining me and, and sharing with the audience. Uh, I really loved it. Loved it. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you for the audience for listening or watching. And remember, everyone, we are all responsible for ourselves and we can all use a little help. With that, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. You want to say goodbye, Dr. Mann? Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being here. Great. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.